doing again. Hello, good evening and welcome to Fish on Friday. Um, I'm waiting on the questions and stuff to come up. Ah, there we go. We're up. Stuart Lemmon. Oh, here we go. I'll go up to the top. Samantha Leo from Maidenhead, Richard Imlach, Eden Fish, go to the NHS. Matthew Greenup, Marina Buru, Anthony Jackson from Dewsbury, Greg Haylott, Steve Gitrich from Epsom, Mal Daniel from Falkirk. Malk for Falkirk, big Malky for Falkirk. Mike Freeburn, hi Mike, Spawn. Peter Van Elshin, Chris Bell, Craig Aspinall, Callum McCabe from Weatherby, Ian McCauley for Gloucester, Stuart Lemon, Oxfordshire, Rich Wilson, evening. Helen van der Kamp, Netherlands, Hazel Kemp, Yavar Enrique Diaz, glad to see you're doing well, and so am I. <laughs> well, I'm not all well. With Kevin Randall, Andy Kerrish, Art Money, Lauren Burr from France, Tanya Whiteman, hello from New York City. You're also in the first vaccine dose club this week. Yep. Uh, well, I'd be a liar if I said I feel great. <laughs> I feel, um, I just feel fluey. I'm, I'm glad I got it. I really kind of, I really wanted to get, get that sorted out. I'm not settled in here at all. No, I was, uh, I was pleased. I got it. <sighs> Happy Fish on Friday. Keep on forgetting now it's the right way around. And you can see everything. Yeah. I remember how to do this, though. Mm. It was, uh... Yeah, where did I begin? <laughs> it's been, uh... I've, I've, Strange and stressful and weird week and been it's been a hard a really tough one to negotiate this one. I'm glad I'm here. I'll let you say that. I'm I'm glad I'm glad I'm the show. I, I was worried because I didn't want to lose the show. It's like because we're coming up to like next week is basically um the the anniversary of the Aberdeen Lemon Tree gig, or it's to nearly to the day of the Aberdeen Lemon Tree gig, just to show you how long this is going on and we're moving up to, we're only a couple of weeks off the, the anniversary of Fishing Friday. We'll have to do something special. <laughs> Our first anniversary together. Isn't it wonderful? It was, uh, yeah, I was kind of, I'm sorry if I seem a bit disjointed tonight. My mind's kind of a bit gluey, but I'll try and shape up. And I'm sure once the adrenaline kicks in, I'll be all right and I'll get up there and I'll start vibing and buzzing. But yeah, it was, um, I wasn't sure kind of whether this was going to happen tonight. And a lot of people were saying, well, just drop it. Just like, give it a break. And I went, I can't. I can't do it. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to do the gig. I've, I've done gigs in a lot worse shape. It's, uh, you know, I've been, 
you know, I've been backstage, you know, <laughs> close to lying on a stretcher, and somebody's gone, showtime! <laughs> and you somehow find that inner energy to just make it happen, you know? It's a bit like uh, playing football and, you, 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 you know, you suddenly they score in the last minute and you're facing extra time. It's like, you just got to do it. You got to win it. And, um, and that's kind of how I felt about it all. Last night was kind of... Yesterday, I got the vaccination yesterday at 9.20 down at um, the, the local hospital, the East Lothian um, Industry Hospital. And as I said in the post, it's a great place. I was amazed. I mean, I remember that when it was an old kind of um, leaky, windy, blowy uh, Rudlands Hospital. But it was an accident in an emergency unit when I came back in, and I would like to see that come back. I got it's, it's strange because there's a lot of things kind of flashing through my head to, to mention, to talk about, and... and and things round about all this. But, um, but yeah, so I went down yesterday at 9.20 and it was so well organised, it was incredible. Drove down, guy said, park up for 10 minutes, go in. It was easy. My next, one, of, one of my neighbours was, was kind of down there as well. She was like in the next booth. And, um, and it was just, it was there. It was just beautifully organised. And uh, I went in and got my jab and I said, look, do you mind if I take a photograph? And, you know, I said, because I, said, I know some people get a bit touchy about that kind of thing. And I said, look, I want to do it because I want to show that I've, I've taken the vaccine. And, um, and I had no bones about it. You know, I know there's all these kind of... I mean, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, you know, when I, even when I put that thing up yesterday, there was a bunch of people came up and were like going, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, da-da-da. And, you know, like, you know, you're continuing the lie and shit, right? And it's like, I go, I personally don't care, Right? I'm 62, I've been in lockdown for a year, right? There's a vaccine, you can turn around and say it's not been tested and all the rest of it. And there's so this the conspiracy shit that goes around. It, it drives me mad, right? I mean, all this stuff about, you know, well, it's, you know, changes in genetics and, like, you're allowing somebody to put something in your body as if it's, like... There was even people talking about, like, you know, oh, you're, you're, they're, they're going to put something in, like a wee microchip into your, into your body. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. It's like we've been watching Netflix for far too long and just believe in everything we kind of like, you know, go, oh, yeah. It's, um, no, it's, if you actually read about the history of it, they were working on this. this the actual, the, the, the vaccine that's, that's been created, the reason, one of the reasons why it moved so fast was that they'd already been working on uh, something to do with SARS. And it just what, so happened to kind of, it was, it was part of the foundation stuff moving towards the COVID vaccine. So, I mean, I've got no bonds with it, you know, but it was interesting to see where the people came from. And it was interesting. There was a lot of Americans, right, that, that were, were kind of going against it. And I've had somebody put up something about how um, the vaccinations are like, you know, people are dying from the vaccinations because of reactions and stuff. And um, he, he sent me through this link. And I read through this link. And it was all the different people, you know, the the... the the hundred and odd people out of the millions, right, that had vaccination. And you read, read, you know, the medical stuff that was up next to their files and you go, if that wasn't going to get them, you know, if, if the vaccination was going to get them, it was, uh, something else was, right? And there was one guy, I mean, I, I, I don't take this the wrong way, right? But there was, there was a suicide on there that, that was kind of like, you know, it happened after he had the COVID vac vaccination. I mean, nah, you know? But... Yeah, and then there was a lot of Russians, a lot of Russians coming up against it, and I, I don't really understand why, but I mean, 
it comes down to like what I was dealing with this week and what really put me down. On Tuesday, I came very close to just basically leaving Facebook. Seriously, I had enough. This place, the Facebook thing, has become so toxic in in, in recent months. It's it's depressing, and um, and what happened was to start off with like where this all began for me after the Fish and Friday thing. Um, I woke up on it was Sunday morning, and. I don't normally, I, I don't do Facebook, right? I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I've got the Derek Dick pages and for anybody that goes on them, it's a tumbleweed site, right? You know, it's other people that post up and say like, oh, fish is on the radio and fish is doing that and fish is doing this. It's like, you know, I don't go up there. I've got a lot of friends, a lot of family, but a lot of the friends of my friends and family, I talk to, right? And, um, you know... I remember when I first started on Facebook, it was kind of like a fun thing to do and, and it was kind of, it was nice to meet up with people and da-da-da. And when I first started, it was like somebody went, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend too. How many of us have all done that shit, right? And you end up with like 300 people you don't even know and then they start, yeah, you find total strangers like having a real go at you, right? It's like, well, but yeah, so when, when people went, I want to be your friend, it was like, yeah, I'll be your friend too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look how many likes I've got. And then you realise what you're doing, right? And I had to really back off on it. And I've always been meaning to do a kind of cull, right? But I've kind of, I'm a nice guy, you know? And it's like, you kind of know that some people get really upset when you go like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And they take it seriously. Like it's a real friend, you know what I mean? But I don't do, I don't do the fluffy kitten, you know, guys jumping off diving boards into concrete pools, car smashes, shit that, you know, I, I don't do it. And I don't go on to my, my Derek Dig feed very rarely. And um, the, the fish pages are basically the best way that I've got at this moment in time uh, are basically contacting people, you know. And, you know, up till recently, can I've gone, well, you know, I'll, I'll accept that downside. But after the weekend, it was a horrible, it was quite a horrible downside. And um, as I said, I woke up on the Sunday and someone said, have you seen this, Right. And I looked, and it was the um, the Native American headdress thing, the war bonnet thing, right? And I didn't even know it was going out. I had no idea it was out there. And by the time I found out, Daily Record had ran it. The Times, the Sunday Times, had picked up with it. I think the Telegraph had it as well. And I am not somebody who basically walks away. And I also realise the danger. And I also realise there was a ticking bomb element about it. And it's one of those things where. I've learned in my life as an artist and as a public figure that sometimes it's a lot better to deal with it head on and get, you know, say what you want to see first before somebody starts filling in all the blanks, as we've been seeing in the last week regarding certain things that have been going on in the Scottish Parliament, right? Enough, right? So, on the Sunday... I was going to go out and put chilies in. And I had my entire Sunday was going to be, I'm going to go out in the garden, right? And I ended up having to manage this bloody fish page. And there was a lot of, I think when it came, when I put my initial thing up, where I said the apology stuff, and, and I said, well, yeah, this is why, this is what happened around it. This was the story. You guys know what happened, right? And um, I was going to go out and plant chilies. It was a lovely day. And I spent the whole day in it, the whole day, 
managing and trying to like deal with stuff and block stuff. And that was why they said they put up the second post on the Monday, which was like an even a bigger, a real explanation. But this is what Warbon it means. And it went, there was a hundred and odd thousand, I mean, 120, 30,000. But it's all because of the Facebook algorithms. And it was because it was cultural appropriation, blah, blah, blah. And it was all these people. And then you start to realise when you go up and people calling your names and saying shit about you. And like, and you start, and you all know this, right? And it was even on the post tonight when I put up the original post, you get these, it was like, you know, it's, it's mostly American, uh, American sites, right? Hi, I'm Elsha, I want to be your friend, you know? Hey, da-da-da, send the photograph. And it's like, oh, go away. And on the second post, I, I put up, like I said, a, a far fuller explanation to fill in the blanks. And still people, a lot of people weren't getting to it. And another thing you realise is that, you know, there's so many people don't actually read the bloody post, right? And they don't read it. And somebody actually had a real dig at me and she says, I have, I have, I've scammed through your post and blah, 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 you're a racist, right? And I, and I wrote back to her, I said, read the post. And it's like, ah. Oh. So that was, that was Monday. And on, and on the Tuesday, I mean, the, the Monday post rectified or, or set a lot of people straight, I think. But I think on the Sunday, what was really kind of creepy was that a lot of people, that on Sunday, there was so much negative flack came in. You know, really negative flack. And as I said, I went up and checked a lot of these people out. And you go, and you could tell by their politics on the page, if, you know, some, well, some of them, you could just tell by the politics of the page, you know why this has come at you, you know, right? And others, no music likes, no interest in music at all, right? No fish likes, nothing, not, not even the Marillion stuff, you know, nothing, right? And it was just somebody that had decided to just throw abuse at you. And it reminded me of those fights you used to get when you were a kid. Some of you might, might remember it. Like a rammy. When you get in a rammy and, and a jump-in situation, right? And I remember at, at King's Park Primary School and stuff, you know, when we were young kids, when we were teenagers, you kind of, it, it, it changed a bit. But there was still rammies going on, right? And you'll get two guys fighting about something and then somebody else gets involved. Next thing, there's like 20 kids all jumping in to this fight that they don't even know what the substance of the fight was about, right? But they just, they're just flaying and going, yeah, buff, yeah. And that's like what Facebook's become. And it's like, you know, every time you put a post up now, it's like you've got to be aware that it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of total strangers that just want to just jump in, right? And, you know, they're not jumping in with arguments, they're not jumping in with anything apart from abuse on, and abusing other people. And I, I don't know, is it something to do with lockdown? Is it a case of, like, the frustrations of just groaning but just venting a lot more, you know? But, I mean, as I said in the second post on the Monday, it's like, you know, if we were just a little bit more respectful to each other. And as somebody pointed out, um, somebody pointed out, it was... Uh, you know, just because you've got an opinion, it doesn't mean you have to give it, you know? And it was it. This is, this is really weird. And it, this is lovely. And I came across this by accident because of somebody that put a post on, on, the, 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 on the, the timeline on, for today. And I found this. And <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but it was, uh, it was... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, no. Oh yeah, here it is, right? This is quite cool. Silence doesn't mean I don't have anything to say or what I see fits me. 
My silence means I understand who you are and you're not even worth my attention. Silence is not empty, but it is full of answers. It's only when you're able to silence, avoiding unnecessary debates that shows your intelligence and wisdom. This is the kind of philosophy that wasn't born to be taught, but to be practiced. And it was written by a guy called Luciano de Crescenzo. Right? And I thought that was lovely. And, it was, and, I, and I found this on a guy's page, right? because he'd written something. I'm going, why have you written that? And then I found this on his page. Like, it was kind of, it was a bit of irony all. But, um, but like I said, I mean, I got to Tuesday and I was really depressed. And, um, and I, really, I really felt just going, you know, fuck it. You know, I, I don't need this in my life. And that was when I, I started assassinating people. <laughs> it was like, I just went, you know what? I, I don't even have to put up with this, you know, and I'm not going to let it lie on the page. So I've just started blocking people, block, 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 block. And um, that's what I spent most of Sunday and a lot of Monday doing. And, um, and it felt good. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's people out there that are never going to buy my music, right? That are not interested in buying a concert ticket. They didn't even like my old band. And from what a lot of them appear to be, they don't even, they're not even into music. So it's like, you know, why are you on my page? Go away, you're blocked, right? And I've, I've been doing that quite a lot. And uh, there's a lot of people that will be expecting to be up here tonight that um, are going to suddenly go, why can't I get access? Because you're blocked. Uh, and, um, yeah, I know, Facebook is not a life. I know it's not a life. This is a great tool. You know, I'm able to, I've been able to talk to people for nearly a year now. And I like to think that I'm giving something to people that need a little something. And, you know, just need a bit of buzz or, or just, you know, a kind of strange contact in their life. And that's great. If I could do this somewhere else, I would, right? At the moment, we're locked into it, and I might rethink this in the next month or so, right? But, um, but yeah, I mean, Facebook's a way of, uh, of telling people what's happening, what the gigs are and stuff. Not everybody's on Facebook, and I totally appreciate that, and I understand there are a lot of people leaving. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why Rob Scarron and I, Rob Scarron has, has been getting the website sorted out and we're moving that on. And, you know, I'd really like to that to be the focus rather than the, the Facebook side of things. And, um, but it's a case of make, you know, letting people know, you know, you'll find it on the website. And I think I'm going to start putting a lot more stuff up on the website rather than on Facebook. As I said, it's a, I look on it as a promotional tool more than anything else, you know? And, um, it's, but I mean, as I said, you open yourself up. And I think with the algorithms, you know, when, you know, Facebook's algorithms, and Facebook are guilty about this, you know, when the algorithms pick up things and start throwing stuff at your feeds that you may be interested in, like, it tends to, some of the things go to people who have got a lot of opinions who completely omit what I've just read to you from the Italian philosopher. So, uh, uh. But it's interesting the way the media, the media changes and the way that we listen to media and things and the way we, we pick things up. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge debate and it's, it's something that I would prefer to do and, and if we were all able to sit around and do something, but um, we can't. So, Tuesday, like I said, was like, you know, horrible. And Wednesday, things started to come together and then Thursday was vaccination day. Um, the good news is, because I don't want you to be let, having watched so far and going like, oh God, right? The good news is, five minutes before I came, I pressed the button, 
Um, um, my lawyer got in touch with me and he said that basically the vigil document is there for signing. So it's one cheque and one signature away from being okayed. And it's great news. Um, we've been trying for this. So Simon, thank you very much for that. He's been an absolute gem, a diamond. So there's a big positive thing. So vigil's up. So, and I was talking with Steve Vances, uh, just, a, well, Steve and I talk every couple of days. We, we text each other every night. We're always kind of like saying texts. And um, politics and stuff and things he's seen. And, you know, Steve's a lot more into this than, than me and, and gets very upset by the Facebook shit as well. And he's more a Twitter guy. And, uh, so he sends me a lot of tweets because I don't really do Twitter either because I just don't have the time. I'd rather be out there doing jellies and building shit than, like, you know, being on Twitter. And, um, but it was, uh, yeah, Steve was, was talking to me and we've got, he's now got a selection of gigs that are all multi-track performances from the Clutching Tour. So he's starting to get into that now. So Steve's going to be sifting through, seeing what the, the, the tapes sound like and see what the good, the good shows are. And we're going to be built together and built, we're going to build together the live album from the 218, which is first on the agenda. I think it'll be good because it means I can give my musicians session fees for the, the live stuff as well, which is really cool. And uh, we're looking at doing the 13 Star remix and remaster, well, it was remix, remaster, everything, the whole bit. But Callum is, is just settled, Callum Malcolm, who's just moved across, as I said before, to East Lothian. He's back in, he's back in the Shire. He's just a bite right over the hill. And he's getting everything is himself set up. So 13 Star is something I want to start pursuing. And with that, there will be another vinyl for 13 Star that will be kind of a, a complete remix of the whole album. And we'll get um, a deluxe book set out with that. So those will be really the, the next kind of two offerings. The Fugazi thing that I've been on about for ages. I can't really talk. I know the specific dates they're talking about but in all honesty they keep on moving it was supposed to have been last june right and it's going to keep on moving one of the reasons has been the vinyl because it's taken between five and six months to get vinyl together it's actually get into manufacturing plants and, and and get vinyl albums it's taken a long time because of the demand for it now and it's the demand and the lack of production so um the 13 star vinyl might not be out to the end of the year, but the Fugazi thing has also been caught up in that. And Fugazi will be late summer, right? I'll let you know as soon as it's going to happen. I've got ideas, but as I said, it's not my title. It's Warner's and it's also got Marillion written on it, right? And so it's not really my place to like, say, well, this is what's on it because people get upset about it. I remember, this is true story, when we played Wembley, I don't know if I actually told you this before. Forgive me, I've had a vaccination. But, um, you know, when we did Wembley Arena, you know, I'd done this thing where I'd said that uh, it was, you know, Andrew and, and, and Fergie were going to be coming down and I'd say, oh, we've been accepted. Look at us being accepted by the royal family. That's another story. And, um, and I'd said it to this journalist in complete innocence, right? And she printed it, right? Well, I didn't say complete innocence. I said, do not print this. And she printed it. And I was let down, and she was in tears when she found out what had happened. But what did happen was that they sent along Prince Edward, and they said that uh, Andy and Fergie weren't going to be there. It was going to be Edward, so they sent along Edward. So it was, um, I'm very aware of, you know, 
when, 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 uh, for example, back then it was um, the royal family who had to be able to say everything that was going to happen and dictate and do the announcements and stuff, and nobody was going to get a game. I'm afraid I have to do the same with Warners, right? Out of respect and all the rest of it. But Fugazi is coming. I've actually got, in fact, just to tease you. <laughs> Where is it? It's lost. Here we go. This arrived in the post. So there you have it. White labels of Fugazi Deluxe Edition. So there you go. So I've got to listen to that. So I'll be listening to Fugazi at some point this weekend, probably out in the greenhouse, where Fugazi should be listened to. But yeah, so um, it's all there. But one of the hang-ups, one of the problems has been the delivery of the vinyl. So uh, it's, that's why it's gone back to, to, to late summer, like very late summer. And when the date is absolutely firmed up, you know, we'll be able to, we will be doing pre-orders and stuff at that point. But I'm trying to get everything sorted out for this because this is another thing that happened this week. It was, uh, I've been talking to some Dutch friends and that I met during the, the, the Aryan shows, Aryan shows in Tilburg. And as with the Vigil album, it's basically... We have to sort out some issues, well, bits and pieces of things, but the body of the idea and what we want to do is there. We just got to see if we can make it happen with all the detail. But if that happens, then what um, we'll have, either through this, this Dutch guys or through somebody else, we will have a point in the EU to basically deliver stuff deliver albums and things so that the albums can be sent from an EU depot, right? And it means that we will avoid the landing fees. Some people, it's really weird. Some people get away with them. They don't get any charges and other people get humped. It's like there's no, there doesn't seem to be a kind of fixed rule in it. It's like, you know, some, I mean, I've had somebody in, in Sweden got charged like 36 euros for a package that arrived, you know. Now, you do have to remember that we don't charge VAT to the EU now, which means the album prices that they pay are, you know, they don't have that 20% VAT on them. So, but it's the landing fees on the other side for processing the admin fees for working out the VAT and all the rest of it. That's the pain, you know. And um, so uh, by having this uh, set up in, in Holland or Denmark or Germany or wherever it's going to be, you know, we will have the ability to basically, when we create albums, like, for example, when we meet 13 Star, 13 Star will be most probably made in, in Czechland, right? So it's within Europe, right? The vinyl for 13 Star will be made in Europe and the same, oh, basically... All my recorded product is is manufactured in Europe. 
So when that stuff comes across or when it's sent from the plant, I can divert a bunch of stock across to the depot in, in the EU and I can bring a bunch of stuff across to here. So Simona can deal with the UK and deal with the rest of the world apart from the EU. And it means that it gives a more balanced field. I mean, as I said, you know, Weltschmerz, you know, it's, it's out there where you can buy it off, off us and, you know, it's great. And it's the same price as it was last year. But just the way it gets to people is different. And it's, um, and having this EU stop means that um, it goes, it'll be dealt with, you know, it'll be a lot cheaper for EU fans. Right? And um, But that's Brexit for you. It's like, you know, in a situation where, you know, all that VAT for all those EU albums, right? It gets kept in the EU. It's, you know, it used to be kept in Britain and it doesn't now. And you're talking about probably 30, 40% of my sales, right? Will be to the countries in the EU of the 27. And that isn't in Britain anymore. That gets picked up in the EU. So the EU is benefiting from that. So there you go. And so that was the Dutch thing, the vigil thing. The Fugazi thing, the the live album thing, and internal Excel will be coming together. Where um, it will come together with Vigil at the end of the year. I'm going to have to. It's going to take a bit of work. The vinyl might be later because of the manufacturing issues, so that might be it being at the beginning of 22. Uh, beginning of 22, but I'd like to try and get them out for late this year. So if it was. After the Fugazi album, then wonderful. I'm trying to get in a situation where with vinyl, because, uh, oh, this is another one, Feast of Consequences, I'm going to do a, a, a repress off. But I think I'm actually going to do a, a, recut, a recut and a remaster because I loved the half-speed master of Weltschmerz. So I've talked with Callum about this and he's up for doing this as well. And we're going to basically do a tweak on the master of Feast of Consequences and then recut it at half speed. So if I can get Feast of Consequences and 13 Star out at the same time, that's two vinyls that can go together in one package, right? Which is part of the Royal Mail thing. If there's two albums in one package cost the same as one album in one package, so... If somebody decides to buy two, then they can't save. It's just the way we think about stuff, you know? But, yeah, so, live album. I can't put a date on it at all because, unlike Warner's, we're kind of pretty flexible. So once we get something moving and once we get it running, then we can go to the plant and say, this is when, this is when we can deliver this. When can you give it back to us? And then we work around that. Um, so the live album from Clutching... The 13 star uh, uh, remix and remaster, right? 13 star vinyl, Feast of Consequences vinyl. And then, like I said, Fugazi is going to be a lot later in the year. And then Internal and Vigil coming out together. And again, same idea, bringing out the two albums at the same time. It's just the way Royal Mail work now. It's like the whole packaging thing is just so awkward. You know, and it's, it's like small packet, large packet, big envelope. And there's... It doesn't work on kind of weights as such like it used to, which means it just becomes really complicated to do. So we're always trying to find a way around this. And um, the other shit news that I got was that Royal Mail has decided to put up its prices again. Uh, anyway, but yeah. 
Seemingly, it's like they took on 33,000 workers last year over the Christmas period, which is fantastic, right? And their business went up, um, seemingly, I was told, by 85% up, well, 85%. And uh, so they're putting the prices up, you know, because uh, the costs are going up. <laughs> Ray Rooks, two for the mainland. Richard Hardman. Peter Piotr Boomer. Kelly Rooks, how's your mum? She's doing well. She's really funny because it's like... <laughs> um, because we're getting the extension done. What the extension? I think I've explained this to you before, but for those that are coming on for the first time, right, or, or just discovering this, when my mum moved in with us two years ago, right, um, Simona and I had to go into the only spare bedroom that we have in the studio, which is out the back way, right? It's great, it's a lovely little room. We've not been able to do anything with it yet because we can't find a joiner to sort the steps out. I've got a hole, a hole in the wall and I've got a couple of other things to get done and we need to paint it and we can't do anything until the steps are done. So we're through the back. But we've carried on and got planning permission a while back for the bathroom. Because when my mum moved in, she moved into our room, as I said, which had the ensuite shower. Right? And it was great for her because she's got a shower and a toilet in her room. So she's got basically a little self-contained flat. Mini bar and everything, right? <laughs> this is a mini bar. It's a chocolate digestive tin. It's very big. <laughs> Mum, do you need any more biscuits? Mm, oh, oh, you've got... Oh, might need some more, yeah. I tell you, it's, it's a habit. It's becoming a bad habit. We might have to take advice. But anyway, so my mum's in our room. When my mum moved into our room, she took the shower. So I had a shower here that was normally for the, the spare rooms. But when Steve was here and stayed in the cabin, and when other guys, when the, the band were up and stuff and things like that, we needed a shower room. And then the, the, what was, was the bathroom was converted into a shower room so that it was easy for people to use. And, and so there's been a bath lying outside next to the Peter Pan pond for a year and a half now, right? And, uh, and it's still intact, it's no rust, it's cool as hell, right? But we got permission to build this extension and the extension goes onto the toilet shower room that's in my mum's room. Are you with me? Catching this, right? And they've been building this room, right, on the other side of my mum's shower room for about the last three weeks now, but bit by bit. And they've got the frame up and they've got all the bits and they've been working like bam, 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 and say, on the other side of the window, right? So my mum's had to put up with this, which is fantastic. She's been brilliant about it, right? And uh, it's been getting a bit more bang-bangy recently because they're now inside the structure, right? And the, the way it works is that from the, the shower room, the existing shower room toilet, there's a window, right? And they're breaking, they're eventually going to break through this window and that will become the door into the bathroom, right? So my mum, for the last two weeks, has been... <laughs> when are the men coming through the window? <laughs> when are the men coming through the window? I said, tomorrow. And, of course, my mum, because they're working across there, and even though it's, it's steam glass, they can't see in or in like that, it's like my mum's been getting up at 7 o'clock every morning, right? And she gets up at 7 o'clock in the morning because she doesn't want to be going about inside the bathroom when the, 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 the guys come, but they don't come till eight o'clock half past eight. So my mum was seeing me today, she said, I'm really looking forward to having a long lie tomorrow. 
But the thing is, it's great. Because more often than not, I go through to the room and then there's the work guys and they're through the window and my mum's yapping away and I'm going, blah, 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 blah. And she's loving it. She's getting all these attacks. Oh, there's men coming through the bathroom window. And I'm going... <laughs> Have a nice, have a nice builders here today. Yes, see you, mum. So uh, she's been great. So we've been dealing with all that. But next week, it's either next week or the week after, because uh, uh, I need, to, I told them I need notice. They come through the window for real, <laughs> yeah, real time bandit shit. <laughs> and so the windows got to get taken out, and they've got to rip the entire bathroom shower room out, right? Because they've got to get all the, in all the pipe work and the electrics and feed that through to the other room. So uh, my mum and my mum won't move out of room. We've been on her even when they've been bang, bang, banging it all through the the, the week. So mum, why don't you come through and you know come through and sit in the living room with us? She won't come through. Like, no, I'll just sit in my keep. My, my, I'll just sit in my seat because she just wants to talk to the builders, these builders. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so she won't come through. So but next week I think it, it could get a bit hairy and. Um, and uh, and we had to to obviously like you know with uh, there's a lot of other arrangements that we've had to make you know because we don't want mum kind of uh, I'm not going to go there it's my mum's shit uh, somebody just I saw that is it she got of the disco lights this is the other thing we we've, we've got to get um we we've got to organise some stuff and you know I said during COVID it's like you can't go to a showroom right so you're really dependent on working online to try and pick out stuff. And I found this, it's a, it's a heated mirror. <laughs> it's a heated mirror. I'm going, ooh. It's a brilliant idea. Basically, you know, it's, it's through there in the shower in the bathroom. Mirror never frost, never steams up, which is, for me, I don't want to see myself in the mirror anyway, but for, for the ladies of the house, it's like, you know, it's a useful thing to have. But when I saw this mirror... And the, the little voice was going, remember how shitty you are with tag? Right, and I'm going, God, it could be fun, could be fun. Remember the tag? Could be fun. The mirror's got all of these, it's got ambience lighting in it. And I'm thinking, whoa, disco bog too. <laughs> with with coloured lights, not just your flashing, like, screwed up Ikea, like, LED lights. These could be, like, this could be purple and red and green, and, like, we could maybe pump disco music through there. Disco bog, too. Uh, but, yeah, but I'm, I've decided against getting the ambulance. I'm just going for a straight white light. Just straight white. And, uh... <laughs> Andy Rex, how's your arm? It's, it's sore up the top. It's, it's sore there, you know? Um, but it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. I just feel... The Scottish word is a bit peely wally. I'm feeling a wee bit peely wally today, and uh, it just it just feels like flu. It's nothing, but I'm I'm really glad I got it, and I just want to get Simona. I I, I want Simona to get her injection. I mean, she's now she's listed as a carer, so hopefully her her letter is uh, is imminent. And it was, this was another thing that was on about the COVID vaccinations. Where people were saying, oh well, you know, people dying and reactions and stuff. I'm really concerned because Simona is, is highly allergic to penicillin. I mean, really, she has a terrible reaction. And when I was down at the, 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 East, the East Lothian um, County Hospital, you know, I asked them, I said, you know, look, what are the reactions? And they were basically saying, you know, it's like peanut stuff. It's the reaction is mainly to what it's the, the, 
what the actual virus is 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 held in the what's the word for it um the serum or whatever it's not the actual virus itself it's what it's held in and it's had terrible problems people have gone into uh was anaphylactic shock you know because of it because it's like for example a peanut thing and there was a guy there was a dutch guy came up and said i've got 23 allergic reactions you know but the, the seemingly there's other ways to deliver but I don't know that for certain because I'm not a scientist, right? But, you know, this is what I've read and discovered and stuff But because I was really worried because Liam's the same. And, in fact, Liam's 17th birthday, I spent an A&E at the Royal because he, he, took, he took some... Uh, he got some penis, penicillin on the, the night before his birthday and um, for something that he had. And, uh, he had, and, his, and his mum was across in Karlsruhe so I ended up with my stepson in the A&E department in the Royal at about four in the morning, five in the morning. So, yes, I'm very aware. And, uh, but, but I asked them uh, down at the, the hospital, I said, like, you know, the allergic reactions, you know, is penicillin? And they said, no, it's definitely not that. Linda Dublin, if Scottish mothers are like Irish ones, the builders will be well talked to. Oh, yes, they are. Right. <laughs> James Connell, hello. Sean Macho, Disco Bog Time, big man, not yet. I'll go into the song first. Elizabeth Cray War, he and Mirrors are great, love mine. Walter Lambert, how are you after your vaccination? I'm doing ace, I'm doing fine, doing fine. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad I've got it. I mean, but, you know, I think, you know, hearing about the, the vaccinations in Europe is is um, a bit depressing. My, my father-in-law's had his, um... Uh, I don't think my mother-in-law has yet, but she's due it. Um, it's been, you know, but the, the story we're hearing about the vaccines is like they're, they're kind of, it's slowing going out. And that, of course, has got uh, huge effects on the tour. And well, that was another thing this week with the tour. I was, I, I had a little run down some rabbit holes because um, I got a, um, I got an email from Carsten who's my promoter in Copenhagen. And he said, oh, like, da-da-da, we'll set up everything in June for promotion and stuff like that. I'm going, whoa, 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 right? And I said to him, you know, after having a little switcheroonie around on uh, on the visa guides, and it looks like our visas for uh, Denmark are going to be something in the region of £3,000 for one show, right? Three thousand pounds in visas for one show i'm not sure if that is a for definite yet but on my first little you know have a wee swatch around it was three grand and to make it even better norway looks like it's gonna be uh basically it's it looks like it'll be about 500 550 pound a person and we've only got three shows in norway and they're not particularly big and we're not expecting to do great numbers there, so um, I've got no idea what is happening. But uh, we're trying to find out, and it's, it's really difficult to find out. You go into the UK government sites um, for for advice and to get pointed, and you go into the other sites, and there doesn't seem to be any determination between a musician that's coming in to do you know, being a, for two days of, or six days in a country and somebody that's there for three months. Um, some of the stuff that you need to do. I mean, another thing with the Norwegian and the Danish ones, they're talking about embassy, actually having to go to the embassy, right? 
So Gavin, way down in South Wales, will have to find the Norwegian embassy. But I mean, this is another thing. This all adds to the cost. It's the same way as when we, we do America. So, for example, when I was going to do that ill-fated cruise gig, right, every single person in the band, right, Right, had to go to the American embassy to get the 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 the, the, the working visas, you know, and um, you've got to, you know, everybody's that means hotels, it means transport, and that's all got to go on on top of the costs. And another thing is that a lot of the visa costs that are coming in. It doesn't actually mention the the administration costs. So this cost of the visa, and then you find out the administration costs come in the back. So as I said, I mean, it's, that all came at me. That was coming at me this week. And you're just going, like, how is this tour going to happen? And I'm trying to find somebody. And I had a company called Traffic Control that I used to use before for American visas. And uh, I used to get them to, they, they actually did it. You paid them and they, you gave them all the passports and they did it. But now all the passports, Norway, they, they're saying it, you allow for two months. So if you send the passport to one embassy, you've got to wait it to come back for it to go to the next embassy. And I'm going to have to deal with at least six embassies and possibly arrange visits for all the band and crew to the various embassies because uh, Denmark only wants biometric data. They want my fingerprints and everything. It's like, well, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely complicated. And I think you don't have, have to be, you know, you know, a genius to work out that, you know, taking these hits this year and, you know, I mean, basically in the first two months of this year, you know, it's, it's been really, really hard. And um, trying to fathom your way through a complete change in rules and regulations, you know, is, uh, it, as I said, I mean, trying to find somebody, that you, trying to find the, the, the correct advice because nobody expected this, you know. Everybody was anticipating it being a situation where, you know, the musicians would, would be able to get the, the access that we had previously. And as with, with Brexit, we don't have that because the EU and the, the UK government did not sort it out. And uh, who's to blame? I don't give a shit. Right? But um, I know where my feelings lie. Uh, Jackie Duguid, hello. Hello, Fid Darwin. <laughs> Silky Silcock, no cost for visas in Burry Lancashire and you can camp. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh. Phil Kyle, Newcastle, Gary Simpson. I thought you were going to launch in the sweet child of mine. I actually heard that in an advert. Ah, that really bugs me that now. And, uh, it's like, it's like when you hear songs that you, you really like and, or you, you respect or whatever, right? And you hear them in, in the contest. I, it's like, I cannot handle the, 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 the washing powder one. Bold, bold. Doorbell, darling. Oh, no. They should know it's Fish and Friday. Sorry, love. Thank you, darling. <laughs> See, it is live. Oh. Well, oh yeah, but yeah, all these songs getting used. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how does Tony Hadley feel? Because it's not Tony's voice, obviously. Because they didn't get Tony in going. And I, we know you sung gold, mate. But like, can you just do bold, 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 
The Queen one's a hate. There's, um, I can't remember which ones. This is two or three of them, I think, now. And there's one for Oak Furniture Warehouse or something, right? And, <laughs> and say, you go, it's Queen. And I heard Sweet Child of Mine. That was what prompted that. I heard that one. I was, I was actually, I think I was actually through there in the, in the, sh in the disco bog. <laughs> and I heard the TV was on and I heard Sweet Child of Mine come on some advert. But it, like, they changed the words. Uh, Hugh Menzies, Mingus. Is it Mingus or Menzies? Hugh Mingus. The embassies will be full of musicians. That's what's going to happen. It's like if you want to meet your favourite musicians, just go and kick down any European embassy. You'll find them all queuing outside. Uh. Pavel Bortwix, Hull Poland. Ah, James, totally insane. It must be simplified. Yeah. It would be cheaper to come to New Zealand than Australia than Europe. Yep, yep. Uh. I know I'm going to wind it down because I'm getting behind the ball. ball. Kisley Hampton, when we're going to accept, we're going to have to travel to a central location to see you. I hope not. You know, to, it's nice to have, you know, it would be nice to have a convention kind of thing, you know, which is, you know, and I've always tried to avoid, I mean, I remember Mark Kelly, I was on the phone to Mark Kelly once and he went, I just, he said, I never realised how much you toured. And I said, yeah, because... We kind of worked on the principle that, in the same way as being in Scotland, I mean, I remember, and it's another big thing that I was talking about the other day, was that, um, you know, you've always got to travel. And, you know, and it's the same in England. I mean, people for Lincoln or whatever, having to travel up to Manchester or to, you know, to see bands. And I try and, you know, when, I, when, you know, when we go to Germany, we try and cover all the areas. So, although we're not playing in your backyard, right, we're coming to somewhere that's kind of close. And, you know, rather than playing one big gig, and, and having everybody come into it. We try and play kind of medium-sized gigs and do more of it. And I think in the long way, in the long term, you actually, more people come along to see you because people are willing to travel, you know, 20 miles or 30 miles rather than 300, you know? So... Uh, da -da -da -da. Steve Welsh is the NHS wanting their vaccine back for the doorbell. Uh, don't they see the red light that means they're alive? Chris Gibbs used to call it blood light, blood light, red light. And uh, yeah, the red, I, 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 the red light was still up in the control room. I think I still have a red light in the control room. And uh, it, was, it made it feel really proper. You When I got the studio built, we've got a red light, we have a blood light. Uh, uh. Fritz Veriman's just my vaccination, yeah, just my vaccination, running away with me. Oh, just my vaccination. Sweet Child of Mine is from a Jelly Babies advert. Tom Gilbert, is that what it is? A Jelly Babies advert. But you know, it's like, and it's, it's seeing these people, there's that guy, Dimitri Addis, or whatever his name is, and he's, they're buying up all these songs, buying up all this catalogue right, left, and centre. And because they know it can be exploited, because once they own the copyright, they can do what the hell they want with it. And of course, I mean, I always wondered, why has Kaylee never been used on a film? It's never, I mean, I would hate for it to be used in an advert. I mean, I don't know what you could, you know, what, what you could use it for, you know. Kaylee's green tea, telly, telly tea. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, I always, there's none of the Marillion songs ever been used on, on, on a movie, to my knowledge, or, or, or on a, a major movie. But Kaylee, you just think, you know, it's, 
Burr. Somebody must want it somewhere. Right? But yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's like these people buying up the catalogue and, and, and throwing it out. And that's why, you, I mean, I think that's why Spanda Bali gold. I think there's, there's another Spanda Bali one. What's, what, there's another Spanda Bali song on an advert, isn't there? There's Bold and there's, what's the other one, darling? Oh, she's cooking. We'll find out about that later. Mm. Sam Betts, did you get the name because I spent a long time in the bath? Yes, kind of. Right. Uh, it's not curry tonight. Yeah, Tony Hadley has no say in how Spandau songs are used because it's Gary Kemp. Yes, I know. I was actually... I became friends with Spandau's years and years ago and I actually gave away John Keeble's wife, Fee, at, at, at their wedding. I, I stood in for, for Fee's dad. Tony and I have sung many, many of the time were uh, the Spandau's and I was there. And I knew Gary and Martin and we were actually... we were. We were quite decent friends. Well, John and I became great mates, and Tony and I became really good friends. And Steve Norman as well. I mean, until before he moved across to Ibiza and things. And they were great guys. And I used to go down and, and I spent a lot of time with John Cable in the 80s. He was a great drummer. And he, he actually, you might, may not know this, but he was going to, uh, he was a guy we were considering as a drummer for the, um, for the Fish Band for the very first incarnation. And he played, there's actually footage of him playing in, on the, one of the gigs. At, uh, um, I think he played at the, um, the, first, the first ever solo gig at Lockerbie. And, um, and John came up and, and he, he, I think there's a, I think there's a version, there might be a version of Internal Exhale. I'll have to, I'll find out where I put the Internal Exhale remaster together. But I'm sure John played on, on Exhale up here. And he, he's a great drummer, but it, it, he's a great drummer, but as you know, it's like, we're drummers in my band. It's like, you have the flexibility that's required, you know, to be a drummer in this band. There's so many different styles and periods of music in my career that, that, that kind of demand a lot of kind of flexibility that it's, there's, it's a tough gig for me, right? Not through anything else apart from, you know, getting into the material. But anyway, John and, and, I, and I, was, I was there when it all kicked off. I mean, I remember being with John when, it, when he was staying up at, um, um, when he was up near Haverstock Way in London. And he had this incredible place called, it was a tower, it was like a modern tower, a great building. And, um, and I was there, I was around when the whole publishing thing kicked off, when, uh, when, uh, when Martin Kemp decided to change the way everything worked. And, um, and I was, the, the legal thing was ugly. I mean, if you thought that the Marillion legal thing, you know, had an ugliness around it, the, the Spandau Valley one was just horrendous. Because, you know, unlike Marillion, who were five guys that kind of got together from everywhere, da-da-da, Spandau's were all kind of, from school, they were all best mates, and it suddenly went kaboom. And I, I mean, even now, you know, the, the, the bitterness and everything that's involved, is, it's sad, actually. It's sad. I mean, I was glad when we really we managed to transcend that, and we've kind of we got our relationships, you know, back together to some semblance of fashion, you know. But, I mean, the, the, the Spandau's, I mean, it's like, it's... it's like I said, it's, it's sad that it's gone down. And as was pointed out, Tony's got absolutely no say because uh, he didn't write anything. That was one of the problems. And, um, 
Linda Dublin, is it record companies selling their copyright? No, it's, I think it's artists. I mean, copyright's a strange thing. Um, I own the copyrights of all my recordings from internal Excel onwards. Vigil belongs to Warners, which is why we've had to ask them and it looks like they've acquiesced and we've got an agreement in place. So, but all the Marilli material is all owned. It's, it's Parlophone, EMI, now Warners, right? And they own that copyright. I mean, um, it was something we did. I mean, that was why after the, the, the EMI affair, when I, when I left EMI after the litigation, it was, uh, um, I wanted to keep, I, I realised that copyrights were important. And that's why I own all the copyrights of all my solo albums, apart from Vigil. And, um, and they're useful to have. And it is maybe a pension fund for me sometime in the future, I don't know. Um, and, but, and all my, my solo publishing, you know, I own all my own, my own copyrights on my own, my own section of the, all the, the publishings. And, um, and, you know, as I said, it's, you know, I mean, apart from the measly shit you get from Spotify and the like, it's, uh, it still provides an income. I mean, um, Kaylee still is, is, is a supportive thing. McDonald's used True for Spandau Ballet. I think they did, yeah. Andy James, raw meat, perfect for a butcher's. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but Fiona Soli, oh, no, I'm, oh, I'm losing. I've got to go down the feed. When are the black buffs in the shop? When are the black buffs in the shop, darling? Are they in? Of course they are in. They're in. The new black buffs. Look at it. He's got a fish in his gob. Yeah, this is a new black. They're actually quite like them. But yeah, they're in now. So uh, they have got a whole set. Oh, it's Conrad Flaherty, Kaylee was used in a car share. It, was, it wasn't a car share advert. It was used in a TV comedy drama. Yes. Which was great. And um, I was glad that happened. Right. Fellow from Hamburg. Tommy Frank. Oh, I'm losing all this again. I don't know, scams and stuff going up. I didn't, I missed that one. <laughs> Bailey's. Simon Lively, Bailey's, is it too late to say I'm sorry? Bailey's, could we get it together again? Nah. Deborah Casey, can't watch TV with adverts, speaks my brain hot. Uh, uh, Arthur Tamlin, Tony Hadley's doing very well as a solo artist now. Yeah, he's... Um, yeah, Tony's been through a great, but he's not allowed to advertise. He's not allowed to put Spandau Ballet or former Spandau Ballet or anything on any of the, um, on any of his gig adverts. And it, I mean, I've had that problem before. It's uh, when um, we're putting Marillion on. I mean, you try and tell the promoter, look, I don't want 
former Marillion singer, and, and they want to put Marillion singer fish, right? We're using the, and I said, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. It's not what it's about, right? And I said, you can put, you know, and in small lettering, but it's like, you know, you had to, you had to define in some of the early contracts, you know, do not start using the Marillion logo and all the rest of it. And Tony's got that in, in bundles. And along the last time I did a, one time I did a SAS gig with, with, with Tony down at, um, it was at Portsmouth, I think, and he told me about what was going on. And it was shocking, you know, and it was like lawyers, I mean, money. I think this is it, it's the money that's spent on lawyers, right? It's like this whole, it's like the Brexit stuff and everything else. It's like the amount of money that's spent on legal fees, you know? And, um, and I, I mean, I've been there and done it. I mean, there was a whole criticism of the Scottish government and uh, the Scottish government about how far they went with this, this judicial uh, uh, review of uh, the Alex Salmon thing, which I'm not going to bore with you, bore you with. But they're on about how could you let it go this far before you stopped? And, you know, when you stopped it, you lost all this money. It's easy, right? When I was, when I was, a, when I was arguing with the EMI, right, my costs rocketed to some well over a hundred grand, right? And at the start, when we started it, it was it was a great case, and everybody was talking up, and it was really positive, and we went went on and went on and went on. Then arguments came in, and it was like, oh dear, right, okay, and it carried on. And I remember I was on the set of Jute City in Liverpool. I was filming Jute City for the BBC, and I got a phone call, and. It was from a lawyer, and he basically said, "Unless you can raise three hundred thousand pounds by Thursday, we have to we have to uh, kick this case into touch and do a deal, right?" And that's how easy it is. And I was like, and I found it a wee bit outrageous that they were bring, they were talking about this, and like, you go, do you not realise how, you know, when you go into a legal case against anybody or against any entity, it's like, yes, you start off with like feeling wonderful, and it's you, you know, and everything's great, and it's you're going to win. And then they put their case against you and then you start, you go through discovery and motions and stuff like that. And then you start, oh, oh, wait, I forgot about that. I forgot about that bit. <laughs> and then you find out that you're starting tiptoeing through a minefield and, you know, and even then, you know, I don't think anybody, I don't think any case ever goes to court, right, that it is, that it's 100% because in all honesty, you know, if you're smart and you're getting sued and you realise that you're going to lose, and I've had that a couple of times, right, where it's not worth pursuing because if even if you don't get the judgment, the, 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 the actual costs or the legal costs are so horrendous, right, they're going to buckle you, right? And I've had to pull out a couple of cases that I, was, I felt I was, and my lawyers felt it was, you know, this was going to happen, but they said, you don't know until you walk into court. And that's why you're in a court, because somebody else has to decide because two people can't make, make, can't sort out the argument and can't come to a deal. And I've always learned that, you know, wherever possible, compromise, you know. And as I said, I mean, I just found it ridiculous this week what was going on about, like, oh, they spent half a million quid. It's easy to spend half a million quid, you know, on lawyers. I mean, I've had... I mean, the Marillion case in itself. The Marillion case, I mean, we were talking earlier on about... How, uh, you know, yeah, we've we have become friends, but you know, or we we've kind of refound a friendship, you know, to a certain degree. We're not kind of like where we were back in in you know, nineteen eighty seven or whatever. But I mean, you know, 
Ian and I get on great. Mark and I get on great. I mean, we'd, none of us have, have got any particular arguments. We're very, very different people. Very, very different people. And I think since I left the band, you know, you know, everybody by nature, right, has grown up in their own different ways and, and matured in different ways and taken on different thought processes and, and, and all the rest of it, you know. And, uh, and I've got no regrets, absolutely no regrets whatsoever. And I'm quite happy uh, being able to kind of pursue what I want to do you know, under, under my own terms, right? I'd rather have that. But as I said, I mean, with a legal argument, I mean, it was interesting. I read some of the things that have been, well, read some of the things that have been written. I mean, in Ian Wosley's uh, book, which is a pretty good book, I actually enjoyed that. <laughs> and, you know, he was saying like, oh, well, you know, they tried to stop us recording and there was, um, there was a legal writ sent down saying, trying to stop them recording the album. I knew nothing about that. Right, and it was like it was just something that the lawyers decided to do to try and put pressure on them to come to a deal. That was what it was all about. But I knew nothing about it because this is the problem. And I remember talking with Dave Gilmore. Right, I was playing pool with him outside on the on a pub opposite Sarm. Uh, what would it be Sarm? Sarm West. Right, and we were working on a charity single, and we were playing pool together. And I was talking about the Floyd thing. And, and he said to me, he said, like, talk to them, right? He said, you know, he said, you've got to try and talk. He said, because he said, when the lawyers, when the lawyers are in, it's like, you're, you're just sitting there watching this ka-ching, 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 ka-ching thing go round and round and round, you know? And, um, but by that point, it was, it was, it was past that point of no return. But this is the problem. When you let lawyers off the chains, right? It's like you don't know who they're going to bite and how they're going to bite, and at the same day, the same time, it's like it can get very financially messy. And I think I must have spent something in the region a quarter of a million quid in in the first two years of being solo, right? And that was through the Merlin case and the EMI case, you know. And I learned a lot from that. I learned an awful lot from that. And um, but as I said, I found it interesting, you know, hearing, you know. Certain politicians, you know, you know, crowing about the fact that the Scottish government had spent half a million. You go half a million, easy, you know. Uh. Bern Hunter, Gary Kemp did a track with Stephen Wilson, did he? I didn't know that. Somebody said um, there was somebody wrote in. I can't remember. I, I took a note down. No, I didn't. Somebody said, is there something going on between me and Stephen Wilson? Nope. It's like, that's where it goes. It's like, again, we're back in that thing. You've fallen out with Stephen Wilson. No, I've not. I've not spoken to Stephen for a long, long time, right? And in actual fact, we send regards to each other because Rob Scarron, who does my website, also does Stephen Wilson's website. So it's just, that is just the way that some crap comes out. Oh, if I've fallen out, he said, oh, oh, oh. right? Andreas Dahl from Norwegian. Hello, Stephen J. Douglas. Had to take someone to a small claims. Ah, I lost it. Oh, go away. Yeah, I had to take somebody to a small claims court. That was horrible enough. Yeah. Percy Sean Kemlo Flaherty. Justin Justice is secondary to the size of the purse. Yes, I mean, that's one of the things I, I really found out, and it really, 
it, it got to me. I mean, that, that's autobiography stuff. I mean, you know, I was really, you know, I mean, that whole, that, that during that period from, from about 1989 to, to 1991, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you start to realise what people were getting paid. I remember sitting, right? This is true. I was actually sitting on a loch or on a reservoir, you know, about 15 miles away, right? With my lawyer, who came, and he was a fly fisherman, right? And he came up and we decided, he says, we'll have to have a face-to-face -face discussion about where the case is going. And this was the, 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 the case against DMI. And he said, well, come on. I said, we'll go fly fishing. And I went, and I don't fly fish, right? And we're on a boat, on a rowing boat in the middle of the loch, and he's going, yeah, fly so and so, blah, 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 this is... That was like about 200 quid, 300 quid minimum, right? Plus his flight. So he could go fly fishing and talk about the legal case with me in a boat. And he said, oh, we'll come to some degree of the time. Oh, did they? Don't think so. Didn't seem to be. Didn't see it, but... Minus fly fishing. Oh. Linda Dublin. Yeah, the older, yeah, you change. <laughs> Owen Boyle, 500 grand. That's Keith, Keith Richards Barbell, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the things. Um, oh, Ro, Roger Morgan, think I heard big wedge in a porno. <laughs> uh, Franny Brent, you're even from Holland. Yeah, Kayla Roots lawyers are sharks. I'm lucky. I've got I've got a great lawyer in 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 my guy Simon. He's a lovely bloke, and he's. And he's he's very independently minded, and uh, it's I, I love his attitude. Actually, he's got a fantastic attitude on every level, and uh, I'm glad he is my lawyer. Uh, uh, right, it's ten past. Right, I have the ting, the ting. Favourite Stranger by an absolute walkover tonight. I was, I knew it was, it was interesting. I hadn't heard the song for a while. And it was when I put the, the Just Good Friends um, remix or, or re-recording, the 95 re-recording that I did with Sam Brown. And I, I remembered it and it was on the Yin album. And it was... Uh, I've just, I've, it just completely floated past my mind. And I remember when Sam was here, we'd, we'd kind of what we said, well, okay, if she's coming here, and then let's try and work out a couple other things for her to do. And the whole thing with the Yin Yang albums was that, uh, and it was interesting, some of you may not even know. Ow, 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 ow. Nothing, darling, it was just getting up. It's just, you know, knees and back stuff. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot. We did, I forgot, but because I've not seen these albums, I, I don't get my albums out. I mean, you, the only reason I get out the, the, the solo albums, right, is when it comes to Fishing Friday and I've got to get find the song, right? <laughs> and I found Yin and I hadn't looked at Yin for ages. And, I, and I've, I've only got one copy of Yin, right? There might be some in the attic in a box, but it's like the only one I could find. 95 re recording of Incommunicado. Family Business Original, Just Good Friends with uh, the re-recording with Sam Brown. Uh, and another one I'm going to play you tonight that I hadn't, I'd completely forgotten about. 
but there was also uh, um, where's what's the other ones? Incubus, ninety five you recording, and then Favorite Stranger and Boston Tea Party. I knew it was in there something. The nineteen ninety five you recording, but um, Favorite Stranger was one that uh, I don't know. I, I'm just going to through a look at it. Where is it, this thing? Yeah, it was with Frank. It was one of the very rare songs that I did with Frank, right? And this one, engineered by James Cassidy and Avril McIntosh, and I forgot that Avril had come up and she did the vocals on a lot of this album, right? And, um... Sam Brown, Frank Usher and Robin Bolt, David Payton on bass, Foss Patterson keyboards and David Stewart on, on, on drums. And I hadn't heard it and it was like Frank's playing on this. It's just absolutely stunning. And um and it was I, I must admit, I had Simone actually said to me today, she said, you know, are you alright? Right? And I kinda had a little bit of a swallow, right? And um she said, I just went, this is just brilliant. This is, this is just stunning guitar from Frank. And I went, you know what, I really miss him. And, um, and I thought that, that was one of the, the big things today. Yeah, and I do miss him. And um, he put a lot into this and I forgot that, you know, this was the, the thing that I put together with Frank. And uh, the whole, when Frank had come back when Frank joined the solo band and he came up here and he did the picking bit with Mickey Simmons, I hope Mickey's all right, you know, as well, because I know that Mickey Simmons has got COVID and uh, I hope Mickey's okay. And um, I mean, Frank came up here and, and he, he kind of, not he didn't audition, it was a audition for Mickey, right? And he did all his finger tapping stuff and that's what he used on this on the Favourite Stranger track. And when I heard it, it was like, oh, God, yeah, yeah. Ding, 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 yeah. And it's just such a beautiful riff, but when we rearranged it, it was like we just wanted to just change the whole kind of arrangement and dynamic of the song. And I heard it this afternoon, as I said, I was like, I welled up, because it was like, this is just such beautiful guitar on this, right? And, um, and the lyric, the original lyric from 91, it wasn't really written about, it wasn't about a specific person. It was kind of like a Kaylee vibe and that it was about um, the Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell cafe culture that I kind of got into. And, you know, when I first said, I did a, an interview with Record Collector uh, last week. And it's coming out in April or sometime. And we, they were talking about albums that influenced you and kind of what certain things meant and things. And we got in a roundabout way talking about Frank, Osh, uh, sorry, Frank Sinatra, and, and stuff, and talking about phrasing and, and things that kind of I picked up, you know, as a singer, and the Joni Mitchell type phrasing as well. And I always remember, as I've mentioned many times, you know, 19, uh, 1985 in Berlin, walking about with the Sonny Walkman on, listening to Hajira in the Embassy District, and, uh, you know, round about Hansa Studios. And I loved that whole cafe thing, and I still love it, you know, when I'm on the road. I like to go away and be on my own. I think because you're around people all the time, 
Yeah. And uh, it's um, I like going away to a restaurant and um, just sitting there with a bottle of wine or a coffee and a brandy and reading a book and I, I, there's just something amazing you know, about being on your own in a restaurant, in a bustling restaurant and being kind of isolated in a way. Which is kind of ridiculous when you look at it. the situation now. But yeah, that was kind of that was kind of where it, it came from, and it was about that. Um, it's like meeting up with an old friend or, or or an old girlfriend, and you know you've you've had something in the past and it didn't quite work or whatever, and but it's you've always got something. You know, you always remember. I always remember we had something special, but it wasn't exactly what we needed you know and then i think in the song it becomes both parties so it's like two people that have kind of um you know like road warriors or relationship warriors whatever you want to call them you know and they've kind of gone through it like as i said that Joni mitchell kind of vibe you know worldly and experienced and meeting up and going you know it's great and you you want to go you know Love you, and that's that's what I tried to get across in the song. But as I said, it wasn't about any specific pe sp specific person, and um, it was kind of. I've got to watch what I say here. Um, it was kind of have I done the right thing, and in 1991 there was a certain amount of question, and it was like you know, did I make the right decision then? You know, should should I maybe have done something different? But as I said, it wasn't about a, a person. I think it was, it was, again, it was pretty soft. Me, 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 it's all about me. Right? And um, and it was interesting when I heard this today, it was uh, it was quite uncanny how, how it affected me, both with Frank's playing and the sentiment that was in the, the song. And I absolutely loved it. And this will definitely be on the, the, the remaster, of, um, uh, on the remaster of Internal Excel. Um, but just before I go get into this, um, Jean-Pierre Lex, Jean-Pierre, bonsoir, ça va. Um, do you know if the Vigil Deluxe Edition will have the Big Wedge 12-inch version on the internal XL Deluxe, will there be the Tongues demos? Yes. You know, yeah, we can we can put all that, that those kind of bits and pieces up. And um, But a lot of the demo versions and stuff, and I think there is actually a demo of Favourite Stranger that we did, that, that, that Frankie and I did way, way back then. And um, But without further ado... He picks up the remote as if he knew exactly what it was all the time. And, um, I didn't put the fire on because it was warm. Now it's cold, yes, I put the fire on. As soon as I'm finished, babe. Nope, wrong mum. Nope. Nope, wrong mum. Nope, wrong mum. This is it. Favourite stranger from the Yin album.
Switch it off. It's funny, I remember, I remember the first time I went to Poland, uh, when I went to uh, Polish National Radio. It was, uh, it was, um, it was in the days when vinyl was rare in Poland. <laughs> well, Western kind of rock artists and vinyl were very rare. So what they did was, when they got singles and things and albums, they recorded them, right? So I remember the first time I went into the Polish radio station. This was 1987. <laughs> they had all these guys in white coats running about. It was like Abbey Road in the 60s. Well, so I've been told. I wasn't there. But it was like, there was all these, like, they were like, you know, proper little lab buffins running about, spooling tapes on and things and rolling tapes. And there was about three or four of these tape machines. And they were queuing them up and the DJ was sitting there going like, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's great. That's what I need here, right? And a bunch of little minions here just operating all the machinery and the tech and shit. Right? Oh, you liked that one, I see. Yeah, it was, um, there was, I'll tell you a really funny one. This is absolutely true. And I'm, I'm, I might have done this before. I can't remember. We're up to 48 shows now. And like, oh, did I tell them that? Or did I tell somebody that, you know, somewhere else? Well, I was in Malmo, and it, it might it might even have been on this tour. It was like because I mean the Yin and Yang tour was real long. It was about hundred and fifty shows. In fact, it was, it was more than hundred and fifty shows that we did in that tour. And the hundredth show we actually played in Karlsruhe, right? And uh, I remember that for a reason that I'm not going to discuss. But like nothing at all to do with Simone or anybody else. But I just remember we were in Karlsruhe and somebody wasn't. Right? It should have been. But they weren't, and they'd taken a ticket, a ticket away for a while. But anyway, that's another story. But on that tour, I ended up in Malmo, and um, I'd kind of, I'd go and touch my then wife and say, "Well, why do you, I've got a day off in Malmo? 
you know, and it was, this was a really long tour. I was away for ages and it was terrible. It was like, it's one of the reasons why my daughter kind of um, goes, I, I don't remember you when, you know, I don't remember like huge spaces of time with you, dad, you know? And it was one of the, the things, it was like the Yin and Yang tour was, the Yin and Yang albums were trying to break me out, right? I'd done the Suits album, I didn't have any other material, and I was in a position where I was gonna have to come up with more product straight away, right? And I thought the best way to do it was to put a, a best of album out. And that's why I came up with the Yin Yang idea. And it was kind of like the two sides of me was, was like, you know, it had the Marillion stuff on it and I, that I re-recorded because I couldn't use the originals because they were under copyright to EMI. So unless I licensed them and things, it was really awkward. And the only way I could, could do it was to, to re-record a lot of stuff and revisit some things. And, um, and, and that was why that whole thing came about. But the Yin Yang tour was immense because it was like, okay, let's use this best of album to act as a passport to get into as many places as I possibly could to try and start fires, right? And that was what it was all about. It was like trying to start little fires. But the problem was I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the finances. I didn't have... I didn't have all the shit that I needed in place to really make it happen. Like, basically, you could call it a major record company, right? In, in one small phrase, I didn't have a major record company. So I didn't have the machinery to really make that album happen. And, um, and we played in Hong Kong and we played in... <laughs> We played in Singapore, right? Lost a fortune, but yeah, I played it. It's on a t-shirt now. I played Singapore. I only played to like about 20 people. And it was, um, the, the reason we went down there was for, it was called Medem. And it was, a, um, it was a, a music convention. So basically everybody who was anybody in, uh, down in uh, Asia, you know, all the, the Japanese, the Philippine record companies and everything came down there. And um, the only thing I got out of it was a deal with Pony Canyon Records, right? Which was a waste of time. <laughs> Complain. That's another story. <laughs> I've seen lovely guys, really nice, but like it was just, it was the same old story. It was like you know when you signed to end up the the kind of big indies, they were really only interested in your fan base. They weren't this. It wasn't building. You know, you were kind of like you know, you were. Uh, you weren't a young artist, right? And, you know, they just wanted to basically hit your fan base. And uh, anyway, but I digress. So, but on that Yin Yang tour, I was everywhere. What up to the Erdinger? It started a red wine. Hey, I'm feeling so much better now. But, um, so like, this is, you'll love this. Right? So I'm in Malmo. It's 990, it's, at that time it was 995 and it was the never ending tour. I mean, it was, I wasn't hardly ever home, right? Which is, as I said, it was why my daughter kind of like, um, has got very little memory of me around about that time. And I remember phoning up my then wife and saying, I'm in Malmo. We had, 
In fact, I think we had two days off round about that. And it was like, well, why don't you come up? Why don't you fly across from Scotland and stuff? And it was like, oh, it's too expensive. Oh, da da da, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, please, just come across. I, I, I need to see you. And she elected not to come across. And I was left in Malmo on, you know, despondent, basically. And, um... And I went out to this this restaurant, and I was, I had a pair, I had a pair of kind of torn up jeans, right, and I had my tour jacket on or whatever it was, and uh, looking quite scruffy, and I decided to follow what I liked doing, which was basically find a restaurant, and um, and I found this really nice restaurant in the centre of Malmo, and it was kind of it was really cool. It was like long, dark kind of place. It was there was only about maybe five or six people, at about twenty tables or so. And it was all candles and nice. And I thought, you know, this is what I want to do. And it's Malmo and it was like Sweden. And it was, ka-ching! <laughs> Bottle of wine, sir, do you have a mortgage? <laughs> Would you like to speak to her, her loans team? <laughs> and I thought, fuck it. And so I, I, I took my book in and I, was, I had this book. I can't remember which one it was. I don't have it now. You'll understand why later. And... Uh, and I walked into this restaurant and the mayor of D did the look. Are you sure you can afford this stuff? <laughs> you know, it was one of them. It wasn't an exceptionally posh restaurant, but it was kind of, it was a bit up, up the level. It wasn't a cafe, right? It wasn't a bean stop, right? And um, so I went in and said, yeah, it's, it's just table for, anybody else joining you? No, just me on my own, as always. Uh, and I walked in, sat with the boot, and I'm sitting there, and everybody else has got ties on and shit, and they're, they're looking at me going, who's a tramp coming? <laughs> it was, uh... And I sat at this table, and I was getting pissed off at the, the, the attitude that was obviously in this restaurant, you know, like going, fuck, you know. And, uh, and I'm reading my book, and I ordered my first course, and da da da, and then. And I'm, I'm doing the wine, and I've done a bottle of wine and stuff, and I'm, I'm just reading my book. And um, and I was kind of drinking away, and noticed that people were looking at me, right? And I'm going like, oh, uh, stop looking at me. I was just, you know, give me up. You, know, you think you're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> read my book. And they're looking at me going like, like, like this, right? And I couldn't understand. Then I noticed that the table was a little bit brighter than it was like about a minute or two ago. And I'm reading the book and I'm looking at the people and I looked at the book and it was on fire. There was flames. The book had caught fire on the candle on the table. I mean, how uncool was that, right? So I'm sitting there read, reading the burning book at the restaurant. And I, was, uh, and I thought, I'll just stay really cool. And I thought, I'm not going to panic. And it was like, uh, I just poured a load of water and wine over it, take the flames out, carried on reading. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cafe culture, culture gone completely wrong. <laughs> well. So that was Favourite Stranger. And like I said, it'll be on the internal Excel thing. There was a couple of other questions here. Um, uh, John Pelix again said, 
Second question, can we hope to see one day the release of songs from the company VHS and DVD and the same for Duisburg, 10 years solo anniversary VHS? I've got those VHSs and they're dreadful quality. They're really bad quality and I couldn't find the masters anywhere. And I got in contact with some of the old guys from the company Germany asking if they knew kind of where they were and nobody knew where they are. So unless when I'm going into the attic at some point in the future and I come across them, they don't exist. Nobody knows where the, the master tapes of these videos are. And I'm really bad with some of the stuff like that. I mean, all the big master tapes I've got, but a lot of little things and stuff, bits and pieces, I've, I'm, they get lost. And I think when I moved house, right, from next door, from the main house and moved into the studio, there was a lot of stuff. I don't know what happened to it, you know? And it's probably in boxes somewhere, but I don't know where it is. So, but yeah, I mean, if I found it, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it up and for, it, it's such bad quality that I wouldn't put it up for sale and stuff. But like, uh, but we've thought about doing putting things on the website. Rob Scar and I have been talking about putting some of these old old DVDs and things up. Um, and just putting them up for free, you know, just going, there you are, have a look at them. This is kind of part of the history. But that's all about what we want to do, right? Fee My Hill, glad you're still with us. As it is St Piran's Day today, St Piran's Day. I didn't know it was St Piran's Day, and who is St Piran? Today I'll be cooking Cornish pasties, the real thing sent frozen from Cornwall, to eat while we tune in tonight. I'm half Scot and half West Country, so a tiddy oggy for me tonight. A tiddy oggy. Is it a tidyogi or is it a tidyogi with a misspelling? But fee, yeah, Cornish pasties. I like them. Oh. Uh. Riff raff. Yeah, exactly. Simon Reeves, fish course, obviously, yes. Piero Coquemar, stop staring at me. Um. Lauren Burr, is there any other place, city, country where you would like to live? I love Norway, but could never afford it. Uh, I've loved Canada. Um, I, I mean, there's so many places in Canada that if I was younger, but I mean, I'm 63 now and, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's, you know, whatever that's happened here, you know, I've become, um, whatever that's happened in, in the last two, three years and things. I mean, Simone and I love it here in Scotland. We love East Lothian and I love Haddington and I, I don't think I could ever move anywhere else now. I mean, if it came to a point where, you know, if I was too old, you know, if someone and I were too old to actually manage this property and, and, and the surrounds, the garden and stuff, and we have to downsize, then so be it. But I mean, moving to another country, at this point in my life, I can't really see it happening. And, and where'd you go to? I mean, I think, you know, everywhere's fucked up. <laughs> but this place especially. Uh. It's, uh, and I've, I mean, I'm, I'm a romantic. Somebody else asked me about romantic poet stuff. Yeah, I'm a romantic. I'm a, uh, um, there's certain things I want, you know. It's, Jeff uh, uh, <laughs> Eagle, as a librarian, I'm not sure I'd uh, approve of burning books. I didn't burn them deliberately. It was because I was a wee bit pissed and I just forgot about the candle, right? That was why, right? Come on, come on, come on. Go away. Feel wood too hard to handle. Expensive wine to tip in a book. Yeah, but that was part of it. It was like, you know, like, I don't care. 
Should have been champagne. Glad it wasn't brandy. Could have been really messy. Alan, Alison Drysdale, was it Fahrenheit 451? Bang! Bang! Gillian yeah. Searins did that with a menu once, set it fire from a candle. Yeah. Neil Montgomery walked into a complete glass door, picked it up, he had walked away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that happen. That door that was mentioned, but the door that's behind me, there, that door there, um, that was, it used to be uh, a double sliding door. Yeah. And, um, and somebody that used to work for me during, uh, during a session here, actually walked straight into that. Well, very, very, very drunk. Andres, you know all about that. Sean Holiday. Sean, what holiday wants to know what we're having for dinner, darling? It's time for the wife. Please welcome. A round of applause, please, for Simone Dick. Good evening. <laughs> Professional. We're having fricassee. Huna fricassee. I, I can't translate this. this chicken is, fricassee. Yeah, this is made from... You boil a chicken and uh, then you use the stock and the white meat or whatever and make a white sauce with some capers, I hope you like. A mm. bit of lemon and curry powder and rice. Yeah. Because oh, well, yes, tonight and, is... Yeah, sorry. And homemade baguette. Homemade baguette. You've done yeah, the bread. In case you, get, in case you get the munchies later. Someone makes some amazing bread. Because nice cheese. Chino <laughs> 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 <never> said that. <laughs> what? what? Yes, we might get hungry later. You know, after drinking red wine at night. Yeah, you might be. Uh, watching t- might as well be. TVs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there was another question came in. Right, it was it was more to you. Um, Anne Steedman says we always like to know what your Friday night meal is, and obviously Simona is an excellent cook. Do you do any cooking, and if so, what is your signature dish? Right, my signature dish is probably mince, mince and tatties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mine. And what well, was yours? What? <laughs> my wife's signature dishes. Please. What, what, so, yeah, your signature. Well, there's two. There's two signature signature dishes I can think of, think of now. That's two dishes I never change the recipe because usually I just cook. I create while I'm cooking even. So it's, the one is called Wurst Goulash. It's not a goulash, it's a kind of soup with um, a special German sausage and potatoes and mm. chili powder and things. It's really good. Everybody loves it. Yeah. And my, my dad used to cook it on a Saturday. And what I really love is um, rouladen. That's beef olives. But in Germany, we, we do them differently than... than the ones you can buy here. We fill them with um, onion, mustard, and bacon. And I never get the gravy wrong. <laughs> no. No, great gravy. No, I'm proud of this. But the other one, the other one I got today, it's like the, the, the Huna Super. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And it's... it's, it's oh, yeah, maybe that. I don't, I don't know. Again, it's perhaps the madness kicking in. But someone always used to... You always used to go about... Uh, what do you call them? Soupens. Suppenhuhn. In Germany, you get those Suppenhuhn, and it's a female, and it's an old one, and it has less meat, and it, the, the Eiweiß, what's Eiweiß? 
Eiweiß. It's a protein, uh, whatever, which they have and which um, acts as, as a natural antibiotic, and that's why you cook it for people who are ill or need to recover or whatever. Yeah, and I never knew. I, I don't get these here. No, no, no. That's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, someone used to. We used to go down the, the, the shops in in Karlsruhe, and we used to go in, and you could you could all all grab uh, a superhuna, right? Mm. And um, and I'm going, what's a superhuna? It's like and I'm just thinking, it's a chicken, it's a chicken, you know, a chicken for soup. And then you find out, and it wasn't until a lot later that I found out, and it was it was a program, and I think it was on, uh, I think it was on Caribbean or Caribbean cookery or Jamaican cookery, and they were talking about this this type of chicken, right? And you can't get them here. And basically, what they are is, as Simona said, it's an old laying chicken. And what they do here with the old lane chickens is they basically kill them and throw them away, right? And they don't use them. And they're, they're really, they're really powerful, powerful kind of... Tastes a lot different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very different. And it's uh, and to try and get it, it's hard. And if you, you ask your butcher, you know, if, if it... Oh, or really? <laughs> you got an old chicken, mate. <laughs> that one a new one. An old one. <laughs> one that's been used already. <laughs> and it's... Uh, but yeah, that's what it is. But if, similarly, if you fight, if you know somebody that's got chickens, and if you ask them if they've got an old hen that's past laying, and see if you can get it, you know, because they just kill them and 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 throw them away, or they don't. Nobody really uses them, and they used to use them a lot, right, all over the world, right. But it's um, you know, it's just gone out of fashion because everybody's used to going into supermarkets and buying big, you know injected chickens and shit like that but try and get it it's, it's, it's an old laying chicken right and you put it in put it in a pot and just boil it and it's and it's it works number of times i was down in in Durlach and when i was in, if i'd been on a tour and i was yeah, ill yeah. you know and there was i remember even on the, la the last tour when i got hit by that uh, virus up in poland and i came down and it was that was all we had and it it works vegetables no, yeah. Quark wicker. Oh, oh, quark. Tell me he the quark. Put, uh, put quark on his chest three times at night or five times. No, uh, four times. <laughs> three, five. <laughs> so, yeah. which is very... Rubs, yeah, it, rubs it on my chest. Yeah. But what's quark? What is it? Quark. quark. It's even, you can even get it here at Tesco's. It's called quark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you put it in your chest and it helps take the diseases out. Yeah. 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 There we go. The, okay. Yeah. I get your mum's dinner now. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll draft this off. Excuse me. Yeah. It's um. Did it? Julie Erica said favorite stranger was playing in my car six years ago and made me phone the guy who's now my husband. It's nice to be part of somebody's life like that. That's really quite cool, you know. Ice vice is protein. Ice vice is protein. German potato dumplings. I missed your name because it spun by me on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kenny T, my signature dish is beef wellington and Dauphinese, Dauphinese, Dauphinoise potatoes with asparagus wrapped in bacon. We shall be around your house on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur Jill, Arthur Gill, a hen me din. <laughs> Very good. Very good. My aunt gets in recycling animals. My neighbour has saved chickens. Actually, my neighbour's got 
cockerels. And he sent a thing through. Um, he sent a message. To, we're on a neighbour's WhatsApp group, right? So when something happens in the neighbourhood, it's like, Bleh, you know. And uh, he's got chickens. And uh, every now and again, he, he gives us eggs and stuff. And he's great. And they had uh, a bunch of uh, eggs that they hatched while the other bits and pieces. And they ended up with three cockerels, right? And I got a message on the WhatsApp, WhatsApp group saying, like, really sorry about the noise. And I, I said, forget it, I love it. I love waking up on a farm with the sound of cockerels, you know? It's just, it's so natural. I love it, you know? It's like, and, um, but he's, he's having to get rid of them. He's, he's, I think he's, oh, I said, keep one. And even his next door neighbour, his next door neighbour said, well, I love it as well, it's great. Oh. What's that? Oh yeah, I don't. You gotta hold it. I don't think you get that there. No. I hold it and you, you. Who in the frick is he? <laughs> Doesn't look too good, but I love it because my grandmother used to cook it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've got coming in my ear. Healthy stuff. No. Andor Corigny, it's an old soup hen. We have them same in Mexico, they're great. Yeah, but they, they just it's because of the culture we live in now, right? It's like the, the whole thing about this throwaway, you know, oh, well, they're too old, they're no use for anything. It's like, you know, yeah, you can use them. It's like old vegetables and stuff. I mean, people throw away vegetables, and you know, put them in the soup, you know. Quark is a cheese, Chantal Walton. Oh, I had cheese on my chest. <laughs> it rubbed in three times a night. I actually got quite into it. Ah, da da da. Owen Boyle, you get mine from Wick. Strange, them quark strangers who works a charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kelly Rook's Vic Vapor, Vapor Rub. Yep, done that one as well. Had that on my, my chest when I was a kid all the time. Vic's Vapor Rub, right? It's not Vic's Vapor Rub. Quark, it's not Vic's Vapor Rub. It's a complete thing, completely different thing. Uh, John Timmon, have you ever thought of remastering and releasing Bully Bays again? I'm sure it would be a great seller. It was a best of album. All the tracks are already, they're, they're on other things. Already on other things. But it's ridiculous, the prices. Like, on Amazon, like, like I said, the remasters are 45 quid on Amazon. And there's copies of Bully Bays going for 160 quid. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, no. Oh. Richie Hayden from Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Paul Emery. I made a mean pot of lentil soup. Stirring the pot is the secret. Yeah, yeah, you've got to watch it because if it burns at the bottom, if you've got lentil soup and you put it on and you don't keep on stirring it and you don't keep on moving it around, if you get that bottom bit, whole pot goes. Disaster, right? And there's nothing worse. And I've been in that situation where you're trying to spoon just the top when I was way back in the, the early 80s when we had no wedge. And stuff, and we're in, in the flat, and just like, and then you got to eat it from the top, and eat it as much as you can until you get down to the burnt bit, and, and then you can't stir it because you got the black bits coming up. Right, right. I I've got to, I've got to zip down the timeline. Fish and Friday, red wine, and twenty-four che twenty-four kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Langston broiler. Gary, Gary Pride, Italian leak. Yeah, the leaks. We still got some leaks, and I've got some wonderful Leonese leaks. But I'm so behind in the bloody garden. It's like, like I said, I lost this week. Sunday was because of the fucking Daily Record thing, and then it was like, 
Monday, Tuesday, then deal with it. I just want to get out there and deal with stuff. And like, it's, um, and I'm, I'm, and I'm worried because I'm getting behind. I've not even got my chilies in yet and I should have them. And I have, this weekend, it's going to be, bam, greenhouse. And like, you know, I'm going to have to change myself out there and get it sorted out, you know. Uh, Linda Dublin, Quark is cottage cheese, darling. Huh? Linda Dublin says Quark is cottage cheese, right? No. Right? No. She said no. Isabel Berg, Quark is fromage frais in the UK. Uh. <laughs> Not you <ain't> net. <laughs> no. Colin Baird, mutton can be far tastier than lamb. A mutton stew is far better, far tastier than a lamb stew. Absolutely. No. See, old things are sometimes the best. <laughs> Edible wise. Uh. Lloyd Gold, where I live in New Jersey, even though it's an urban area, once in a while in where there's trees, you'll see a live chicken tied to a tree. Uh, why? Pourquoi? Uh. Elaine Bettany, yes, especially as we have people going to food banks, it's a sin to throw away food. It's funny, since we got out, since we started work, working the food bins, we work food bins here and we, we recycle everything we can. And, uh, but yeah, I think since we started using food bins in the house, you start to recognise how much you throw away. And, you know, we've... Even sing, if we've got wee bits left, we'll put single portions into freezer things and put them away. And every now and again, you can go out and you have like a kind of a little smorgasbord of stuff. Right? Paul Emery, you sound dodgy rubbing quark in your chest. Blech. Colin Booth, Tiger Bam, yeah, that works good as well, right? It looks like this. Ah. Quark looks like this. It's not, it's not cottage cheese. It's not a cheese. It's not cottage cheese. No, it's a sour yogurt thing, a thicker. It's a thick, sour <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> Brandon Morley, you need yin and yang again. Can't find copies. Yeah, because you won't find copies because it's been kind of deleted now. But I mean, all the tracks, they've, they've all kind of found their way out. A lot of the, like I said, the the internal Excel remaster will take, it'll pick up some of the, the those recons and yin yang. And like, Darren Mac McKinney, will there be another mass book, mass two with Mark Wilkinson? No, I don't think so. It's uh, Mark's done his own books. He's done his own books. You check him out on mass.com. Right. <laughs> right, we're moving up to 5 2. There's a couple of things. Right. Gordon Devery, I fish is Gordon Devery from back in the Aylesbury days, trying Roadvale House in Queen's Head days. I just wondered if any of those days inspired you lyrically with any songs. Yeah, glad to see you keep well. Good. Gordon doing fine, man. Right. Uh, I'll play one in a minute. Right. Ian Swain, what's the watch on your wrist? What's this one, darling? The watch. The watch. What's my watch? I've never gone into watches. I, I had a Timex when I was a kid, and I remember getting a, a digital watch and stuff like that, but I've never been into watches. John say? Mitchell, he's a man that's really into watches. What's, you bought me this, didn't you? Yeah. My wife bought this. In fact, this was one of the... From long ago. Yeah, long ago. This was about... You bought me this in about what? 2012? 
2012, down in London. Yeah. And someone I came across, we, we stayed in a, in a hotel in London for, for a bit. Uh, I say a bit, it's like three, four days. Well, well, it was a weekend you came across to London. Mm-hmm. And it's a, what kind is it? Um, Can you read that? No. I can't. It's really difficult. It's the same, your dad had the same uh, brand. It's a, it's a Swiss army watch, yeah. basically. Uh, you it's, need a new one. I don't need a new one. No. no. I don't, I've, I've just never been into watches. It's like, number one, right, some of the places I've been are places where you don't wear an expensive watch in your hand because you just attract the wrong kind of attention, right? And, um, and I prefer something that's functional, that's like, you know... Uh, I like something that's functional. It basically tells the time. I don't like gadgets, funnily enough. <laughs> and um, I just like something that's kind of sturdy. And this Swiss watch does me great. And it's served me well. And as I said, Simona bought me this in 2012. And it was one of the sweetest things that she ever did because I knew she didn't have any money at the time and she bought me this watch. And it was uh, and it's always kept fine with us. Right? Well... Andrew Hartshorn, I was going to play, I had to say this, right? This is, I had to say, I had to say goodbye to my childhood friend today, Andrew Hartson. He was 48 and cancer got him. Uh, sorry to hear that, mate. You asked if you could hear childhood's end and it was like, I thought, nah. But it's a tough one. It's like, can I mention... Can I talk to us? Would I talk to Sprechen? Simona? Can I tell you about Tara reading? Can I tell them about Krakow? Can I tell them about Krakow? What? Krakow. Can I tell them mention Krakow? I think, yeah, she's not on Facebook. Yeah. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's rubbish at the moment. It's, um, being away for people and being unable to attend things. You know, we got there. Oh, nah, I'm not going to go there. Fuck it. Is that? Andrew Hartson, I feel sorry. Just, uh, I didn't think Childhood's End was appropriate and I didn't want to play Garden of Remembrance because I thought it was too sad. And um, I thought I'd give this to your buddy. You didn't um, say who he was. But uh, I thought I'd play this. Because it kind of tied in with what Gordon Devery said. This is um, it's a quirky little thing, and and again, it was because uh, um, um, with the Ian album when I, when I went into it, it was like I, I, I put this on and it was like wow, and I remember we we threw this song on. This was written. This lyric was written back in way down in Aylesbury. And it was, it was when I moved down to, to, to Buckinghamshire, which was really strange for a big, tall, six-foot-five Scotsman going into these English pubs with beams that come down to there, right? And um, you just continually walked about with a bleeding head if you were pissed. Uh, but, yeah, moving down to England was a kind of a different thing, and it kind of inspired us. It was kind of... It's a kind of Genesis-y kind of selling England by the pounds kind of Alice in Wonderland type lyric and it was kind of it was a, a throwaway thing lots of wordplay right i mean a ridiculous amount of wordplay and it was like let's you know apocalypse kiss your apocalypse goodbye right and stuff like that and um 
It was a wee song, and, and I heard it today, and I heard this lyric, and I went, wow. <laughs> How interesting. And I want to play this for Diz, right? As well as Andrew Hart's on and, and, and his, his buddy and stuff, I want to play it for Diz Minute, because uh, Diz turned 60 the other day. And uh, I actually phoned him up and sung him happy birthday down the phone. He never even mentioned that I'd phoned him up and sung him up, bastard, right? Uh, Diz and I, despite all, I've always kind of stayed friends. And Diz is, you know, um, forged his own path in life and become highly successful at what he does. And he's a very clever man. And Diz was wonderful to be about. And, and I think... I think we both related to this the, the quirkiness of this, and it was never recorded. It could have been it, it could have been on script. It could have been a B side, and I don't even know for whatever reason it was kind of forgotten about. Right? And uh, so I thought I'd play with this because it just seems apt, right? After everything that's been going on this week, um, uh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I really want to go down this avenue, but I can't because it's just... <sighs> um, things are happening up here in me, and uh, I know where I want them to go. And uh, Anyway. Ding, ding. Yeah, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to leave you with this. Right, and it, it it's just it's a lyric. It's 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 a very it's a, a childish lyric in a way. It's a kind of it's a it's a fun play about lyric, but as in this, the the title of the song, there's a kind of dark undercurrent to all. And uh, so um, there it goes. So tonight, that's two hours. So I managed it, and I'm really proud that I managed to get through it tonight. And I'm probably going to go to bed very early. I'm still not feeling 100%. But I feel slightly better than I did just a while ago. So I'm going to leave you with this. It's a song, again, this is only on the... It was only recorded for the Yin album. And it was... It had been sitting in work for... It had been sitting in the back for... Years and years and years. And I thought we did quite a good job, you know. It isn't a kind of a major hit or anything like that. Was never gonna be. Get off. Get off you. Work. Work. Two. I thought you'd like this. The institution